Are you ready, Christine? Are you ready, Ma? Yes, I am. Let's go! Well, at first we go to New York City. We do? Oh, yes, yeah, we, we do. do. Start Hel spreading the news. We go to Broadway. Oh, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. I watched this movie over the course of two days, so. <laughs> Helen and Madeline have hated each other for years. Madeline is married to Ernest, who was once Helen's fiance. After she recovers from a mental breakdown, Helen vows revenge by stealing back Ernest and plotting to kill Madeline. Particulars. Death Becomes Her, which is available to stream on Peacock right now. Teeny? I just have to say that this is so far my movie of the year. Yes. I thought you'd like it. Oh my. I cannot I, believe I have never seen this movie before mm -hmm. now. Mm -hmm. I watched it twice. It's so, so good. Laughing yeah. out loud. Now. I laughed out loud. Yes. Yep. It is. Yeah. So it's on Peacock right now, people. And you can rent it anywhere you would like. It is, oh man, great, great, great humor. If you find us amusing, You'll definitely like that's it. That's true. <laughs> you have to have kind of, you know, that yeah. dark sense of humor. Or sense of humor <laughs> that gets you through times like these, which is actually all times, but especially these times. Yeah, might need to watch it on uh, Tuesday night. So, yeah. We'll oh, man. So it came out July 31st, 1992. Yes. Which is yes. our, my brother and I's supposed birthday. <laughs> Somebody was two weeks late. Somebody was two days early. Hey, I knew what I had, and I was very comfortable in my situation. You certainly were. But I did make sure that I would still be a Leo. I was like, oh, hold on. <laughs> hold on. Got to get out. Can't be a Virgo up in here. Come on. All right. So I read somebody came up with this quote. I have a list of articles that I got stuff from. It wasn't me that came up with this stuff, but I thought it summed it up nicely not as nice as you did ma but a nice sum up they said think benjamin button meets hocus pocus yes <laughs> yes well done okay so it's directed by robert zemeckis who is famous up like previous to this film he had done all three of the back to the future films he also did who previous framed this yeah before this yeah he also did Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then he does this film. And then he follows up this film. His very next film after making Death Becomes Her is a little film called Forrest Gump. Yeah. Yeah. That, that was his <clears> next <throat> film. And then he did Castaway. He did Flight. He's done a bunch of things. And mm -hmm. most recently, he, he did Pinocchio. So he's done mm -hmm. a bunch of things. Uh, the screenplay is by Martin Donovan, who also wrote Apartment Zero, Somebody is Waiting, and Mad at the Moon, and David Kopp, who, also, who is the ninth most successful screenwriter of all time. Wow. He also wrote uh, a ton of movies, but maybe you've heard of these three, Jurassic Park, mm. Mission Impossible, and Carlito's Way. So not the third oh. one, but... Yeah, Carlito's Way is Pacino. It's one, of, yeah. it's one of Pacino's greats, so we'll have to do that. 
It was edited by Arthur Schmidt, who also edited Who Framed Roger Rabbit, Coal Miner's Daughter, Forrest Gump, The Birdcage, to name oh. just a few. Wow. And he learned a little bit something about editing because his first, like his education was that he got to go to work with his dad, Arthur P. Schmidt, and watch his dad edit Sunset Boulevard. Oh, I'm ready for my close-up, Mr. DeMille. Yes, which is, um, has their similarities to this film, so that's really funny and cool. The music is by Alan Silvestri, who has done all of Robert Zemeckis' films since 1984. He's also done Predator, The Abyss, The Bodyguard, and a bunch of the Avengers films. So he is, he is, he does not have to worry about money and he is extremely successful. Very good at what he does. Um, The director of photography is Dean Cundy, who also did Who Framed Roger Rabbit, Halloween, and uh, followed up this film with a little film called Jurassic Park. He also did Apollo 13. And he did this film that I, Dan, talk about, I can't even, I saw this film in school and it scarred me, a little film called Where the Red Fern Grows. I I don't even want to get into Where the Red Fern, I will start crying now talking about Where the Red Fern Grows. I don't know why they did that to me in school. Oh my God. It was a book that they would read in fifth or sixth grade. No, I remember. I was in middle school. We read it in middle school. Then we watched the movie. Oh, my gosh. Let's move on because I will start crying. Jeez Louise. I don't want to think about where the red fern grows. I did this to myself. It was you. Hi, it's me. I'm the problem. Oh, starring Meryl Streep as Madeline Ashton. We saw her in The Deer Hunter. Yes. So she's been in The Deer Hunter. She's done Kramer versus Kramer. She's done Sophie's Choice. And she's Ugh. done Postcards from the Edge all before this film. So she is like Meryl Streep at this point. Mm. She's also around 43 years old. She's 43-ish mm-hmm. in this film, which she's done all of that. And oh, <laughs> what a oh, – well. The, you don't, don't compare yourselves to other people. You no. live your own life. That's right. You know? Um, Bruce Willis as Dr. Ernest Menville. He was in The Sixth Sense, Die Hard, Look Who's Talking, Pulp Fiction. You know, he's Bruce Willis. Yeah. But you don't expect him to be a comedic actor. Well, he wasn't moonlighting, but he was playing. He was always, up until this film, he was always full of machismo. Like, right. he was very right. manly, very masculine. Right. Like, in, in Moonlighting, he was... I, I remember... Tell me if I'm wrong, Ma, but my impression of him in Moonlighting, because I was a little kid then, was he was kind of like Bugs Bunny, like a wise guy. Yeah, yeah. Like, meh. Yeah. And so this was kind of him being dweeby. Yes. uh, Yeah. So (laughs) I thought he was really funny. (laughs) Like, some of his line readings just cracked me up. I agree. How over the top it was and just his whole vibe and stuff. Oh, man. We have Goldie Hawn. I mean, we're going to have to go. We might have to have a Goldie Hawn appreciation month and just start going through these because Goldie Hawn was 
She was big in my childhood. At, like It was Goldie Hawn and Whoopi Goldberg as these women who were just cool and would be silly and could be silly and could make you laugh, like at least could make me laugh with just a look. Just their expression oh, yeah. yep. would just crack me up. And she does this a couple of times in this film. She is in Private Benjamin. She's in one of my favorite films, Wildcats. Yes. I think one of my favorite films. I don't know how it held up, but I remember I loved it, as a little kid. I loved Wildcats. She was in Overboard. She was in the first Wives Club. When this film was made, Death Becomes Her, she's around 47 ish. Mm -hmm. like, and damn. Damn. I mean, damn. 47? She's around 47 ish. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Man. Um, we have Isabella Rossellini. We do indeed. As Lisa Van Rumen. She's around 40-ish in this. Wow. Again, well, I mean, good genes. She good was in Blue Velvet. She's also been in Big Night. Most recently, she's in Marcel the Shell with shoes on. She's also oh. famous for being a, a Lancome model. Um, her mother is... Ingrid Bergman, Casablanca fame. We've done a bunch of Ingrid Bergman films. And her father is uh, Roberto Rossellini, the famous Italian director. So she's just, she, she's one of those, like, yeah, it's, it's, like, it's hard. It kind of sucks for her because she is a good actress. But she's so famous for being Isabella Rossellini that she, like, that's who she is. So, like, as soon as, and that's what this film, this role, like, she was cast because she's Isabella, you know, for yeah. that. Like, yeah. It's like, yo, you're acting, but it's really like, no, you are such a movie star that you perceive that. Oh, man. Alana or Elena Reed Hall as a psychologist. I was like, oh, my gosh, that's Rose from 227. Like, as soon as I saw yeah. her face, I knew her from my childhood. So she was Rose in 227. She was also Olivia Gordon. Gordon's younger sister on Sesame Street. Oh. So I was like, yeah, because I was just like, this. as soon as I saw her face, yeah. I just felt good, comfortable, a smile came on it. I just felt taken care of. And I was like, oh, yeah, because she was such an important part of my childhood. She was also in Cruel Intentions. So she had, she had a great career. No longer with us. She passed away um, relatively young age, breast cancer. I think like 2009. Yeah. Oh. John Engel as the eulogist. As soon as I saw his face, I was like, that's Edward Quartermain from General Hospital. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He, he was given the eulogy. We have Fabio <laughs> as one of Liesel's bodyguards. Oh, really? He had on a dark wig then. Yeah. Well, there's two of them. And yeah. Yeah. But I thought they were both dark haired. Yeah, probably. He was, um, he's Italian. He was very famous in the around this time this movie came out in the 90s and late 90s because um, he was a romance novel model. He was for, a, the, for the covers of romance novels. Yeah. And the then, long, flowing blonde hair. And, and just muscles and stuff. And then he was always on a lot of daytime talk shows and stuff because the, the women just loved him. I, uh. I never – I was – he seemed like a nice enough gentleman. He just never did anything for me. He was just too well, muscly. And, and I think that in my, you were also like, didn't you call him greasy or something? <laughs> like, 
Yeah, and cheesy. Yeah, yeah it's, mean, it's just a bit much. You know, it was very too much. It was just a bit much, bit much for our taste. He was also the spokesman for "I can't believe it's not butter." Yes, he was. <laughs> Again, <laughs> no we, Paul Newman. And we grew up with "I can't believe it's not butter." And every time I had butter. I was like, nah, I believe that that's not butter. <laughs> it's plastic. You're not There's fooling plastic me. plastic in there. Yes, which is also interesting that he's also the spokesperson for the American Cancer Society. Hmm. Hmm. Uh, People, yeah, well, okay. Not going to say that. Yeah, not getting yeah, canceled, yeah. not me. Not, mm-hmm. not, not getting taken away by big, I can't believe it's not butter money. Um, Sidney Pollack. Yes. He was the ER doctor. He was uncredited. <laughs> he is a famous director. He directed such films such as Tootsie, Out of Africa, and Three Days of the Condor. He also was an actor. He actually started acting and studied acting, and it was Burt Lancaster who convinced him to, hey, maybe you should become a director, <laughs> which... Wow. It's funny, uh, but also not after a particular performance. But he he was a great he was a great director and he was also a really funny actor because I knew him from as being Will's dad in Will and Grace. He also acted in Eyes Wide Shut and Michael Clayton and he would pop up in this and that was fantastic. So those are the particulars. Well, let me set the table. The movie begins on Broadway in 1978, fine year for me, Madeline Ashton is in a musical version of Sweet Bird of Youth, and it is awful. There is a musical number which highlights why Poppy hates musicals. People are leaving or snoring except Ernest Minville and his fiancée, Helen. He thinks she's sensational. They go backstage, and it is obvious Hell and Mad have been acquaintances for a long time. It is also obvious that Ernest is enthralled with Madeline. He tells Helen he is not interested in Madeline, and the next scene is the wedding of Madeline and Ernest. What else could go wrong? A lot. A lot. POC, I had the four dancers. Oh, okay. In the musical number. And the therapist. Mm-hmm, I had that. And do you have others? Yeah, I had the, there's a black woman patient. And then at the That's funeral, right. I counted about four. And I thought okay. I might have saw like an Asian person. So ten, so it's it's about, we're at 10, ten-ish. Probably a little bit more than ten, but only the therapist had had lines, right? Okay, so it's a, it's a very um, northern European centric. I have a I have a, a take on uh, that. I I do too as well. Um, so now we're to cast, and I I'm sure you have something. Well, I have a couple of things. So Meryl Streep was quoted as saying about this movie that, quote, it's sort of a documentary on aging in Los Angeles now. Yeah. Going around doing press for it. And people say that the point of the film is about the pressure 
our society places on women to maintain their physical beauty at all costs. Mm -hmm. Since our society is a caste-based society based on skin color, that affects what is considered to be beautiful. So this is one of those instances with this film where I just got to sit back and watch it. I remember watching it as a kid. This is one of those wins where, like, lack of representation really worked in my favor because I knew when I was watching this as a 12-year-old, I was never going to look like Meryl, Goldie, or Isabella, Rossellini. Like, that was never going to be me. So to say that it's a film about the pressures of our society places on women, it was not all women. It's the women, if you're in the, in the cast, that has been deemed like this is what is considered beautiful. Mm-hmm. Because like, my looks weren't celebrated nor coveted. And it's like, I was like, oh, Hollywood doesn't want anything to do with women after 40. I would always hear that, especially when this movie came out. I was reading, you know, entertainment weeklies and, and into that. And they always said that drink. <laughs> and they always said that, you know, once you hit 40, that was your expiration date as far as Hollywood. But at this time, like I'm a, you know, 12 year old kid. I'm no Halle Berry and there can only be one. And that's Halle Berry. So I was like, Hollywood doesn't really want anything to do with me now. So as I get older, I this is all one less thing I have to worry about. Mm-hmm. Like, this is just me getting to just watch this movie about people dealing with this thing that doesn't really affect me because I've seen nothing. I've, I haven't seen, at this time, I haven't seen any images of anything where I could look at and be like oh that represents me so this is one of these unintended consequences where a lack of representation did not leave me saddled with this thing of like oh no i mean i have it to a little bit of an extent but i don't have it to the extent that a lot of people have it because of seeing of what beauty is and like being like this is what's considered beautiful i was like that's not me so (laughs) guess one less thing i have to worry about (laughs) But then, so now we have the unintended consequences of representation, which I am on board with representation. It is so important, but there's always unintended consequences. Like with the end of segregation, unintended consequence was how we lost a lot of black and uh, teachers of color from that. Yes. You know, it's, 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 they're always going to be, because you, it's the balance of the universe. It's yin and yang. Everything needs to be in balance. So you have to always consider that into mind. And one of these unintended consequences of representation now is if we're not careful, we will end up reinforcing these harmful notions to now a vast majority, like, like now everybody, instead of, um, oh, look, that's me. Now, like, oh, this is what it means to be beautiful. And now if I see like a whole bunch more people who look like me, now I'm going to be like, oh, wait, yeah. that's beauty. Yeah. And there was an article in The Cut and this uh, quotation pretty much of what the movie is about. It said, quote, in our optics-obsessed culture, every woman is the star of her own social media feat. And we're all at risk of becoming Madeline Ashton of fixating on our perceived flaws to the point of Mm self-destruction. And so now that we have social media and now that we have more representation, now it's kind of like, oh, great. Now we're just, you know, like maybe if I was a younger now, 
maybe I would be like more caught up in the thing of like, oh no. I'll talk more about that at recasting. Okay. So that this is one of those things where I was like, yeah, this is I I don't I don't really have that because growing up I didn't like okay, it's Halle Berry is the one. <laughs> I'm not Halle Berry. All right, y'all do you. I'm already told that I'm, you know, y'all reinforced that my beauty is not the beauty y'all are seeking. So who cares if I get older? I don't have an expiration date, I guess. Um, the only other ones, maybe you guys can talk about them, is how women are pitted against each other. Mm-hmm. And I did think this was interesting. Did you notice that the potion box was very, like, Egyptian or, like, African? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, AKA, it was very distinctly not Northern European. Mm-mm. It had the Ankh on it, which is Egyptian. Yeah. And I did think that it was interesting that it was a movie about women not aging. Um, but I feel like, like of all women, uh, you know, probably like a black woman would have cracked the code on the anti-aging potion or at the very least have been given it as a form of reparations from society. So, but then that said, it ties into my first point about, ah, because I could see like Isabella Rossellini, yes, but also you could see Eartha Kitt. And I'm very glad that it wasn't Eartha Kitt and that it was Isabella Rossellini because maybe it would have affected me in a negative way if it had been Eartha Kitt instead of Isabella Rossellini. But, you know, I mean, what they say is true, black don't crack. So I just thought it was a little bit interesting that the person with the formula wasn't of African descent. Yeah, but they wouldn't have needed it. So why would they need to find a potion for it? Touche. Touche. I also saw, I read an article on um, AV Club. Did you read Death Becomes Her at is like a 30 year anniversary thing how Meryl Streep Goldie Hawn comedy found life as a queer cornerstone I read it I didn't read that article but I did read another about how it is a it's a queer cult classic well they interview it was like an interview with this drag queen Josh Grinnell Joshua Grinnell um and like he he just talked about how well, it's a lot about how, why, like, all these camp gay, gay, or, like, queer horror film is, like, a genre. But, um, sorry, I scrolled up to find the name of the article, and now I lost my point that I was going to read. Uh, but he was basically talking about how, um, it's not just, like, a joyful, campy movie, uh, it's also like legitimately dark, but he said there's a relatable strike there. You know, when you look at the way straight men are allowed to grow old and be successful mm-hmm. in Hollywood, it's not the same for women, and it's really not the same for gay, the gay community. Straight men, by and large, can grow old, look, grow old, look old, get wrinkly, be saggy, and still get leading roles in movies. Women mm-hmm. aren't afforded that. I mean, people make fun of Joan Rivers for having all that plastic surgery, and it's like, well, fuck you, because if she looked like the little old lady that she should have been because of her age, she wouldn't have been asked or allowed to do red carpet. Exactly. So for us, I think there's connective tissue there. We also love comedians and Hollywood actresses, so we appreciate their struggle. 
Um, so I thought that was a good point too. Mm -hmm. Well done. And then I went down a rabbit hole uh, because there was the one scene in the movie about um, when Goldie Hawn gets fat and wears yes. Okay, so I was so uncomfortable when the scene came up with Goldie Hawn in the fat suit. Yes. And I meant to actually mention this on the last podcast, but this comes at a perfect time. I've been listening to this podcast that I highly recommend called Maintenance Phase. I I co-signed on it. Oh my I started God. listening to it as well. Teeny Maintenance tells what? Maintenance Phase. It's with Aubrey Gordon, who's also known as your fat friend, and she's an author, podcaster, and an activist. This is from her Wikipedia. She writes about fatness, fat acceptance, anti-fat bias, and her podcast, Maintenance Phase, focuses on the poor science behind health and wellness fads. Okay. And then Michael Hobbs is like, he's been a reporter for the Huffington Post, and he had a um, podcast called You're Wrong About that debunks historical and political myths. Um, and they're they really good dynamic, but I started listening to it because they, they do things like they'll talk about, um, like sometimes they do books or movies or they'll talk about like, you know, back when they told everyone those like studies came out saying red wine was good for you. And so like people who didn't drink started drinking wine because like they said it's good for you or they did one on like the apple cider vinegar. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Is, um, and, like, um, I really enjoy, but I listened to one. They have a pot, they have one uh, all about fat suits, and um, oh god, obviously, like 2022 lens is much different than it used to be. Exactly. But some of these like movies and things I had completely forgotten about, so they talk a lot about um, the movie Shallow Howl, which. Oh, I remember that. That came out when I was in movie. college. Yeah. Yep. It's not that old. It's not like we're talking 1930s. It was in the 2000s. Yeah. Um, but it, it it goes in line with what you're seeing in the 2000s that people are, are looking back at now of mm -hmm. saying, like, you know, pointing out Paris Hilton and mm -hmm. uh, Britney Spears and just these unattainable bodies on the models. I mean, that's when Giselle's huge it's just yeah. these, you know here if curves were not a thing so back to my point about cast that is kind of like ties into that it's in the 60s thing. we had twiggy yeah. i mean talk yeah. about no curves mm -hmm. but then this opened up like fat suits opened up like a whole it became like a whole thing and it opened up a whole page of people being able to get in a movie theater together and like laugh at someone being fat yes. and largely it's all talking about how hey, you're not people aren't putting on a fat suit well rarely typically they're putting on a fat suit a fat suit is this is a quote from the podcast the fat suit is the first step on the road to making an actor look like shit mm -hmm. and it was exactly what it was in this movie of look at this piece of shit. She's her house is a mess. She's eating all this stuff. Like, well, they talked about an episode. They also do an episode all in the movie Shallow Hell. 
in which Gwyneth Paltrow um, plays the, if it, for those of you who don't remember the movie or never saw it, um, Jack Black is like in an elevator and Tony Robbins is in there with him and like hypnotizes him or something. So now he's seeing everyone as a beautiful person. And Gwyneth Paltrow plays this character who is in real life a very fat woman, but um, Jack Black is seeing her as skinny and because he sees the inner beauty so he's seeing everyone's inner beauty yes so like they're like there's a scene where like the can't you see Gwyneth Paltrow like there's a cake in the office and she takes like a she's like I'm just gonna take a little slice for the road and she takes a third of the cake and starts eating it with her hand right and like Aubrey Gordon was like I can tell you for as a fat person and every fat person I know that like you you need to be there not eating the cake because you know that everyone's watching you or you get the tiniest piece on the table. Um, But then it was also like, uh, there's a movie about Anne Atwater. Has anybody seen that? Where Taraji P. Henson plays Anne Atwater. Uh, Anne Atwater movie, what's it called? The Best of Enemies. Oh, no, I haven't seen it. Yeah, it's about the desegregation of schools in Durham, North Carolina. I haven't seen it either. But Taraji P. Henson plays Ann Atwater, and Ann Atwater was a very flat woman. And they talked about, I guess, like, Taraji P. Henson put on the fat suit, and she was like, it doesn't feel real. Like, my feet aren't, like, concrete in the ground or whatever. And she was like, we need to call... Um, Tyler Perry and ask who did Medea's boobs because those that we need to get them to do the boobs I don't know it's just like never good Mm-mm. if you need a fat actress just find a fat actress like but it always but- ends up with being the skinny person you know mm-hmm. she always transforms into becoming right. well that's Jennifer the thing Anna's movies like Shallow Howl should not be yeah like <laughs> those are terrible in the first place but then there are historical movies where it's like like that where can you not just find a fat black actress? Exactly. Yes, you water, can. You know? And um, also, like, just the, like, the thing of, like, oh, they're fat. It's, no, actually, they're average, the average size of a woman in the United States. Right. You know? Like, well, yeah, anomaly, I mean, yeah. Uh, yeah, but it, there's a lot of sizism that goes on because the thing of, like, in this film with the, the scene where Goldie Hawn is in the fat suit, it's supposed to be comic, and, like, she's let herself go, and she's only eating ice icing. Right. So that would be, and she has cats. It's all of this, because of the kind of film that it is, it does, it goes in line with the film. The problem with it is what we're talking about is because that's the only time that you see an average-sized-looking woman or larger than average size looking woman is when it's the butt of a joke or something. Exactly. Because I don't, I don't it think that like it's a bad thing. And I think that that's yeah. what like that's part of what a lot of like a lot of people like it's like you're not so you know, there was a quote from I think Gwyneth Paltrow where she said something about she said fat and then corrected to overweight, which at the time, like mm-hmm. um, Aubrey Gordon was like, I get what she was doing, like that. But like now, it's like you're, it's not saying that you're fat is meaning like insinuating that being fat is bad. Exactly. And like that movie's insinuate like that she could have had all of those things going on without having a fat suit on, and it would have had the same exact effect, you know? 
there's plenty of ways to show you've let your let your stop caring for yourself in a way that you've let yourself go, I guess, or something, which I think was the what they were going for there, which exactly. had, mm-hmm. had she lost her man, so she let herself right. go. Yeah, she's gone a little nutty. She's rewatching this, you know, the same clip in here. She's yelling at the TV. She has seventy five cats. Yeah. But I will make say your that, own buttercream. Don't eat I, it out of the can. I, it is all like all of these things are true, and it is so highly problematic. But just when when Goldie Hawn turns around and that look on her face, I I even knew that it was problematic. But like Goldie Hawn still made me laugh. But she could have done that all in her size, and I think we still would have made us laugh. Like exactly, it's disgusting for nobody sits in their house and eats a tub of icing out of the thing. You know, like Mm -hmm. that's just what. No matter what size you are, you're. You know, Um, exactly, exactly. So I, yeah, I thought that was a very um, disturbing part of that. Uh, there, I wrote down something. Um, no, I don't know. That's not well that's not because right. also then it makes it harder for uh, non-stick figured women to get cast in leading roles because right. these are the roles that you see. So somebody like uh, Melissa McCarthy is. I mean, remember like she's when, all out of a joke. Right. Yeah, but now at, at least like she was able to with her comedy and being around that it, it's like it, it, I mean it's the same thing. It's why we do like the POC count in films and mm-hmm, stuff. Mm-hmm. It, it's because exactly. the more that you see it, the more that you become um you know, like uh, accustomed to it. So then right. so then it's it's like we need more of the Melissa McCarthy's, more of just all different shapes, like, you know, of how humans are when you walk outside and you, when you go to a Target. Let's not say a Walmart, because people, there's the whole, the people of Walmart situation, which, but when you, that's America too, but it, it, it does go into that, and it, there can be comedy there, but you have to have the other side of it. You can't just have the we're using fat as a shortcut to mm-hmm. a joke and stuff because then that's the only thing you see then that's what it is you have to have the other side of it and then mm-hmm. you can have like maybe you're not going overboard on the fat suit with all the layers and stuff you know you just hey don't uh go to the gym for a month goldie and then we'll film this but right. then but even then it's like i don't i don't agree with like because even then, it's like, oh, look how disgusting you are because you gain a couple pounds. Like that just it, it mm-hmm. equates being a different size with your value, exactly. which is like totally but that's, crazy. But for this movie, that's what this movie is about. Yes, yes. Yeah. Because it and is it, about it does the bring size. it out. But like Christina Applegate has been diagnosed with MS, and um, you know she was the daughter in Married with Children. And always slim and sexy. And she now has to walk with a cane. And she's gained 40 pounds. She had to come out uh, on social media to say, I own it. I've gained 40 pounds. And 40 pounds on her frame makes her look still pretty slim by, uh, uh, you know, what the regular people look like. But to have to go, yeah, I know I've gained 40 pounds. So y'all don't have to talk about it. There yeah. was the one instance talking about like um, 
gaining weight for roles. They were talking about, well, I like, yes, to your point, this is what, that was the point of this whole thing is how insane it is for like, like you had, they had to show her, like just have her gain some weight or whatever, but to show how insane it is that now she's worth nothing in Hollywood, whatever. But for regular people gaining weight for regular roles that, okay, if you really want somebody a little heavier, then just get a heavier actress or actor or whatever. But um, I think it was like, they've mentioned a different actor, but I think it was actually Ryan Gosling. And they were like, oh, how did you gain all this weight? And because they were like, oh, you're so brave for gaining this weight. Mm -hmm. And he was like, he gained the weight by melting Haagen-Dazs ice cream and drinking it whenever he was thirsty. Like, oh, they were like, oh, you're so brave. You melted ice cream and drank it. (laughs) Yeah, but that's the thing with men. I mean, in 1980, Robert De Niro... Raging Bull, it was mind-blowing because, oh, my God, he he gained all of this weight, and then he then they shut down production, and then he lost it. I mean, they did the same with, like, Tom Hanks in another Zemeckis film, mm-hmm. Castaway. Uh, What's-his-face? Christian Bale in The Machinist. Yep. Like, men Christian have been Bale. doing this and winning Oscars. Like, it, it's their shortcut to winning Oscars is to bulk up and christian bale even i believe he said that he's not gonna do that again because how extremely unhealthy and the toll that it took on his body Mm -hmm. putting himself through that but a a woman because of the patriarchy and just of hollywood from the beginning is just like no this is the only look that we will accept and that's why judy garland got addicted to to drugs because they were they were letting her eat some lettuce and smoke cigarettes and take amphetamines and then downers to sleep because she was too pudgy to play a young girl in Wizard of Oz? It's wild. Like, there are women who are have the, the body type of a supermodel, you know? It was, like, right. pushing six foot and very slender and they can eat a healthy diet and they do but that is i mean that's an anomaly that is not a mm-hmm. normal thing and so then yeah you would if you have that body type that's you and you can just live that and you got a good looking face and especially back in the day you're white <laughs> and yeah. if you have blue eyes like hey man you are that you're a supermodel and stuff but and then everybody's looking at that and then being like, I need to do that. And that's, I think that's what this film is really about mm-hmm. is that thing of if you need, but then the, all the rest of us, like that's what, if you're overweight, like you know, I was talking about it with cast, but yeah, you're looking at it and you're like, well, society tells me that I'm not worth anything. Mm-hmm. Cause when I was, when I was watching this and I was 12, I would be considered overweight, even though I was athletic and stuff. I wasn't, nobody was confusing me for a model at 12. You know, like by any means. So I'm just like reading up all these things. I'm like, all right, this is what they're telling me. But luckily, I don't, and I don't like it's my parents, it's you, ma. Like I still had self worth, even though I'm <laughs> watching this entertainment entity tell me that I don't, that I don't have self worth. And other boys and stuff who are watching it are ignoring me because I don't fit into that kind of thing. Like that's just where you have to just be like, you know what? Van Gogh, they didn't appreciate him in his lifetime. Yeah. Drove him nuts. He cut off his ear. 
I guess I'm like Van Gogh, but I'm going to keep my ears. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> okay, so we're to nerd alerts, and I have one. I don't usually. But I looked up Sweet Bird of Youth. I did too. It was a... It was a 1959 Tennessee Williams play. And if you know Tennessee Williams, Southern, uh, heavily into all the family dynamics and such. A streetcar named Desire. Yeah. Um, a, a, a cat on a hot tin roof. Ba-boom, ba-boom. And um, so that it was first a play, and then it became a 1962 movie starring... Our own Paul Newman. And um, on the poster for it, it said he used love like most men used money. He was a charming gigolo. And he wanted to get back to what he had in his youth. So using that as a musical, you know, number obviously wasn't going to work. But we might have to do Sweet Bird of Youth at some time. Oh, yeah, we definitely will. I was like, Paul Newman, say less. Polly? Okay, uh, other nerd alerts. Well, I have that this came out in July 92. So we've already done a couple movies from 1992. A League of Their Own came out July 1st, so before this. And then later that fall, The Crying Game came out. Oh, okay, wow. Yeah, 1992 was a leap year. Um, in 1992, officials from El Salvador and rebel leaders signed peace accords in Mexico City, ending a 12-year Salvadoran civil war that claimed over 75,000 lives. Wow. Yep. The Cold War was formally declared over. <laughs> you thought. Um, Ukraine, Moldova, and Azerbaijan reject Russia's proposal to maintain unifying ar- unified armed forces, and they announce that they're going to create their own. And that was a good move, Ukraine. <laughs> yeah, it's it's crazy how 92 just ties in so much to 2022. Uh, Jeffrey Dahmer is sentenced to 15 terms in life prison. Oh, He's killed two years later. So. In prison. Yeah. yeah. It made a lot more sense. Like, the whole thing with Jeffrey Dahmer, um, what you saw, what I saw as a kid with it unfolding in 92 and all that, and then watching the show and thinking about how it was covered, and then you're like, he was killed in prison. It was like, yeah, because he he just preyed on gay black men like you know people of color he and like you just like wow wow 92 wow to this day um here's another thing that ties in the supreme court of ireland ireland the supreme court of ireland rules that a 14 year old rape survivor may travel to the uk to have an abortion wow ireland yeah in 92. I mean, the most Catholic I, country yeah. that there is. Yeah, I was like, going, you know what? No. You know, rape is not organic. Yeah. And guess what? You can get pregnant by it. Okay. So, uh, Yugoslavia breaks up. And that is 
remember because Czechoslovakia broke up very peaceful, the Velvet Revolution. Yugoslavia was not. It was the start of the violent Bosnian War. Well, genocide happens, a whole bunch of bad stuff happens in the country formerly known as Yugoslavia. That pops off in 92. In 92, white South Africans vote in favor of political reforms. So there was a referendum in South Africa because President F.W. de Klerk, he was like, oh, man, like, 92 in South Africa, things were getting pretty heated. And the people were like, yo, what the fuck is this apartheid bullshit? And then the international people, like, you had the United States of America even going like, yo, y'all wiling over here. I mean, meanwhile, like, you had that tennis player who was like, actually, South Africa has it all figured out better than the U.S. But that's not the side you want to be on. So they put a vote to only the white South Africans, which I read that. And I was like, oh, my gosh, especially like this week with midterms coming up. I'm like, really? Really? You put it in their hands? And they voted in favor of, like, yeah, we need to change some shit. So President de Klerk, he tried to show white South Africans that the government wasn't giving up power to the African National Congress, but they were negotiating power sharing. And he warned, he was like, y'all know, like, if you vote no, this means that we're going to continue to be sanctioned by the international community which, a.k.a. dollar sign, dollar sign, dollar mm-hmm. sign, that's money. And there's also, like, the danger of a civil war, and also there's worsening chaos in South Africa. But really, what is the answer to every question? It's money. money. money, money, money. money. It's because, like, even, like, the United States, England, all these people who uphold white supremacy looking at you like, yeah, y'all, y'all so bad. That we can't give you our money. Us! And South Africa's like, look at yourself. They're like, I know. But, like, at least we are trying. Like, our shit is on the In down 92. low at this point. Well, and then we get to America in 92, and you have the Los Angeles uprising after four LAPD officers were acquitted of using excessive force and the arrest mm-hmm. of one Rodney King, which I always thought happened on the other side of Los Angeles, like over the, over the hill, like down in, in, you know, like LA. I mean, this is on me. This, this is a bad look on me. No, Rodney King got beat up here where I am in the North Valley. Mm. Yeah. I was like, Oh my gosh. When I looked it up and then it kind of <laughs> made, made sense. It was like, Oh, that is uh, yeah. Okay. Interesting. So you had that, and then the most important thing that happened in 1992 was that the Bush family, back on continental United States soil this summer, back in the United States. So I remember I remember going to see this movie. I remember all of the, the press leading up to it because I was watching TV. Like, my eyes were glued to the yeah. television screen. We had all these channels all of a sudden. You had more than one channel to watch? We had commercials. I remember, like, they were doing all sorts of uh, press for the... Because, well, we'll get into it later. But, yeah, so 92 is... The summer of 92 is always... Sparky, rest in peace. That's when we got the little guy. He's running around. 
Barcelona Olympics. Mm-hmm. Top five films worldwide, 92. Number five, Lethal Weapon 3. Number four is Basic Instinct. Number three was Home Alone 2. Number two is The Bodyguard. And the number one film worldwide of 1992 was Aladdin. Oh. oh. Interesting. I mean, awesome. Yeah. I mean, remember Aladdin was huge when that came out. I mean, we, we even saw that in the theater because it had Robin Williams. And we were a Robin Williams family. Yeah, we were. Um, the Academy Awards, we have Best Picture, Scent of a Woman, Howard's End, A Few Good Men, The Crying Game, and the uh, Best Picture winner for 92 was Unforgiven. Well, there's that. I, oh, I'm sure we'll have to do it because I like Westerns. It won Best okay. Picture. I'm going to come with a lot of fiery heat for old Eastwood. So okay. that'll be a good... Maybe we'll save that for when America really needs deserves it and i can just go all in it's might be wednesday a, a scorched earthing <laughs> teeny do you have any nerd alerts not today all right so we are to n- negative reheatables so my reheatables are the fat suit and fat shaming mm-hmm. Ooh. so many cats i mean you can have a person with just two of them. The mental health facility but that, was, was that's not... That's also... The okay. thing with the, the cats is also a... Isn't that interesting how, like, it's cats and it's not dogs? Like, it's you never always see... cats with... It's always cats. Yeah. I agree, I agree with that. Yeah, I agree with that, yeah. I mean, that, that, is that... Are we in agreement? Of, is, this the, is it the take of the Gone with the Bushes podcast that... It, does this fall into like the you know what sometimes stereotypes though mm-hmm. are like there's a there's a reason for that you know and you're just like Ugh. and I like cats mm. don't get me wrong okay you can get me wrong <laughs> yeah because we yeah okay that's, that's, right. one stere- that's one stereotype I'm not here to fight exactly for some reason it actually really works. Although, um, for some reason, I also feel like, in theory, I should be a cat person and not a dog person, but... I take umbrage with that. <laughs> uh, or I take a think out. A yeah. simple twist of faith. Yeah. Yeah, that could have been bad. Yeah, things would have gone really a different way if I were you, a You probably would have gone to Duke, honestly. Yeah. Think well, about it. <laughs> Ouch. Uh, the mental health facility oh, did yeah. not have a good look. It wasn't good. Do we think that mental health facilities in 2022 have a good look? Maybe I don't, not. Well, okay, but... I'm um, just going based on funding and just well, what I see out that, in these streets. I'm yeah, like, okay. is it exist? Um, fighting over a man? Ooh. Come on. All of this was over... Uh, I don't think it was uh, oh, over yeah. a man. I think it started with them just um, fighting with each other because they were in competition with each other. Well, she she mentioned that was an interesting thing of how we never got a flashback to see them as younger to mm-hmm. see how the 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 seed of this whole feud thing. Mm-hmm. But they mentioned it. It was because I think Helen came from money. And Madeline yes, didn't, 
And so Madeline was never invited over to Helen's house because they didn't invite trash over. And, like, Helen kind of pretty much admitted it. She was like, well, we didn't really have, and it was kind of implied, like, your kind of people right, from right. the other side of the tracks. So That's that was true. kind of how I took that. But I thought that was interesting how that was told and not shown. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And just the youth-oriented society. Mm. Yeah. So those are mine. I had getting up in the middle of a number at the theater. Yeah. I personally thought that that looked like a show I would enjoy. Same here. So y'all can fuck off. But even then, wait until the song's finished to leave. I agree. There's there's just... Concerts are different. But like at a show, get your act together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That suit... Um, it looked like a terrible Bloody Mary. He was just drinking tomato juice and vodka. Exactly. With a celery stick on it. There, there was no shrimp in it. The There's olives no didn't look good. Shrimp. There was no bacon. Oh, I'm shrimp. Sorry. That's disgusting. It, oh, it's kind of, yeah. it's kind of good. But you're not a, you're not a seafood person. Well, Aaron and I had yeah. a delicious Bloody Mary oh. in Las Vegas. Ha- shout oh, out good. to Hash House and Go Go at. Um, yeah, I was very jealous. Man, it was delicious. And then this is just in my battery heatables because it's something that simply doesn't reheat today. Is is check okay? <laughs> as someone who well, works in, in retail, we don't take checks. As a seventy-year-old woman, the, the, the time I'm like, you know, you have a debit card that does the same thing, right? Yes, my parents. Still, I don't, write down their debit card expenditures in the checkbook. It's so I don't carry my checkbook anymore. What? No, I only leave it home for paying bills now. You pay bills by check? Auto, okay. auto pay them from your card. It's so it's easy. It comes out every month. Well, it's poppy. It's, this is interesting because I'm in the middle. I There are a few things that I have auto pay. There are other... I have very few. There, I do have some auto pay things, but I do, I do have that boomer in me <laughs> where well, I'm you like, you still gotta check it. You still gotta exactly. make sure it's all being, yeah. Where I'm well, like, yeah, I'm not gonna let that slide by. Like for example, Con Edison, fuck you. We had our Con Edison bill one day in 2020. One month was four hundred and fifty dollars, and it was summertime, so we didn't even, or no, it was like. We had no. It was before summer, so we didn't even have an AC unit in. We're literally just using lights. Right. That's it. Yeah. And people were trying to be like, "Oh, you've probably been watching more TV because it's 2020." I'm like, $450 worth of exactly. Exactly. And turns out they overcharged us, and I didn't have to pay a bill for four months. Mm -hmm. That's very nice. I somebody may have an occupation where they have to review people's work and know yeah. the, the old Shakespearean quote, to err is human, and knows yeah. that errors happen. I and mean, auto pay isn't realistic for everyone, but, you know. I am going to say that if you watch The Handmaid's Tale, one reason why they were able to uh, negate women was because everything was online and they were able to just shut that down. So, um, no, uh, but Poppy is the one who wants us to continue to pay with a check 
our bills. So interesting. I do that. Well, he also, because he also doesn't, I, I like that. I co-sign on that for you because I, you know, y'all don't need to be putting your bank information to all these different places. Like that's the, that's my problem with Mm. the online. If, if I can pay it through my bank online, Okay, right. and I'll go yeah. in and, and pay it and stuff. But these people who they want their hand in my routing numbers and want yes. me to yes. connect my my banking information to them, I'm like, oh. Because you don't want a deficit of $500,000 on a checking account. Yeah, I'm yeah. just saying. And then I just had the ageism thing because when we, we took our break just now, I looked at my email and I have an email at 4 16 p.m said look and feel younger in just eight weeks yeah younger in eight weeks is a program that's been shown to renew your dna and reverse the signs of aging i could get this potion <laughs> i'm gonna i will lose up to 25 pounds in two months boost my energy mm-hmm. by an average of 36 percent lower your cholesterol by 39 points well now i'm listening yep decrease your blood sugar as much as 14 points and this is the one that really got me I might sign up. Improve your confidence by an average of twenty-seven percent. Oh, but Teeny, you you just Teeny, you just need a candle for that. (laughs) Science that can stop the clock. As you may remember from biology class, we have twenty-three pairs of chromosomes, which determine everything from our gender to our hair and eye colors. Each is capped by a protective bundle of DNA called a telomere which buffer our genetic material from damage as our cells divide and replicate. But as we age, our telomeres grow shorter. <laughs> so you can't change your DNA, but you can change your telomere you can change the telomeres. Yeah. So yeah. you can recapture your glow and look and feel better than you have in years. Um, so if anyone would, would like the link, let me know. They did not include <laughs> a promo code, but I'm sure we could get it. Look at us. Why aren't they advertising? I know. Gone with the bush. Why did that not come to me? <laughs> I would be the demographic. Yeah, why did it not come to you? Why did it just come to me? <laughs> I don't care. Any- we don't want to hear it. <laughs> we were in, remember we were in Vegas. I went up to the. I got carded. I didn't get carded. She got carded. We I, sat down together. What's our no, difference in age? <laughs> And I, not I, small. She was sitting first, and the the guy carded me, and I was like, where, "Where is?" I had to go fishing for my ID and stuff, find it. And I was like, "Did you get carded?" She was like, "No." <laughs> I was like, "You're gonna love it when you see her ID." Yeah, she exactly. did. I was like, <clears throat> "Liz Bush just teleported to Vegas." <laughs> yeah, I was like, "Man." Are those your negative reheatables? Yes. Did you do yours yet? I didn't. Didn't. Okay. This is kind of on. I kind of had, like, Helen, you know who Madeline is. You have this feud with Madeline. And why are you making your fiancé take the Madeline Ashton test? And why? Yeah. 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 You know? Like, that's kind of on. Like, you found this guy. Never introduce him to Madeline Ashton. Don't advertise your man. Exactly. Um, I also have the two the two women pitted against each other mm-hmm. over a man. Like if we flip this, is there even a movie where this has ever been a movie where it's two men and they're trying to stop the, the times of aging? 
so that they can compete for the moment. Yeah, I mean, you have like Sabrina, but they but they weren't like, oh, I I need the potion for you, you know? Yeah, they they're just allowed to age. Yeah, I also have like the fat shaming. I have (laughs) this is when I watched this this time in in twenty twenty two, um and. Meryl Streep takes the potion and her body changes and her boobs just go. I was like, yo, <laughs> my boobs just came in tired. Like, you know how like, they're like, oh, no, pop. I like, yeah, I just came in. That's just, my fault. Just like, oh, <laughs> yeah, they just, they just hang in there. We're yeah. here. Oh. It's like they're snuffleupagus. <laughs> they're like Eeyore. Eeyore. Oh, here we are. <laughs> I just yeah. thought that was hilarious. I was um, like, that's not... I never did that. I have a tasty about that. Okay. Um, And then this is kind of... A th- like, I don't necessarily call this a bad reheatable because I think it's st- they, it still looked good, but you could still kind of tell. So at the time, keep in mind, like, this is um, before Jurassic Park, the su- so the summer before. But this movie came out, and one of the things about it was how it was the computer-generated effects mm-hmm. were mind-blowing. Like, this was a pioneer mm-hmm. in it. In fact, it won the Academy Award for special effects. Mm-hmm. And Industrial Light and Magic, which is George Lucas's, you know, Star Wars and stuff, his special effects house, they're the ones that came up with these special effects. And then, as we said, a lot of the people, including the set designer, the director of photography, they went on and Industrial Light and Magic to do Jurassic Park. So, mm-hmm. and you now you can kind of see it, but they, they still hold up. It still looks good. It isn't embarrassing, but you can kind of tell that it's it's like, oh, the early 90s and stuff. But yeah, this was, they really like leaned into that it. That hole and, in her stomach? Yeah, that was amazing. Uh-huh. It was. And just sitting yeah. I mean, talk about a Halloween costume. Uh-huh. Yeah. Really good. So those were my negative reheatables. Okay, my positives were a Bloody Mary for breakfast. Mm-hmm. I love yeah. it. You want a good one, but... And, of course, the, the special effects. Mm-hmm. My good positives were... Songbird, the musical. <laughs> I like, you know what, Teeny? That was my first reheat, good reheatable as well. I didn't think that Songbird, the musical, was that bad. I was entertained by the musical journey, which ended up with disco. I was, I was all in, honestly. Disco. It did, because it was 78. Mm-hmm. If only um, they knew Poppy's disco, though. Yeah. And then windshield wipers on the headlights. That yes. From, that's when that, yes. that is a shout out from Adam, actually. <laughs> yeah. That is a Mercedes, I believe. Doberman dogs. Doberman. The Dobermans. Yes. I didn't write it down, but I did think Teeny's going to say these dogs. Yeah, they were good dogs. Um, and I wrote down how, how much is it? Oh. I like that when she was like looking at the potion or whatever. She was like, "How much is it?" Yeah, <laughs> I was so worried about the cost. Um, Meryl Streep's Al scream. She, I don't know. There was one point, I guess, where she screamed. Oh, really? All of Meryl Streep's screams. Yes. Yeah. 
Um, all the falls down the stairs. I couldn't yes. remember. So good. They were so funny, so problematic, but so but funny. so fun. Yeah, I mean so, that's what the movie was. You knew it was in. Fu- you knew they weren't really getting hurt. They were probably. I guess because it's domestic violence, and he, but oh, but the way but it's, it's so over the top yeah. that it's like come on, they, exactly, they, yeah, exactly. In the end, they were fighting each other and they fell down. Um, the round there was a round chair that I really enjoyed. I've been searching. I'm on the hunt for a round chair for oh, um, interesting for a reading nook. Yeah, um, backwards Meryl Streep. Yes, <laughs> I thought. I mean, what a great couples co- couples costume. Somebody goes as. Goldie Hawn with a hole in your stomach, and you put a mirror around mirrors. How you do that? And oh. then somebody goes this backwards, Meryl Streep. That would be funny. That would be. Mm-hmm. There's a really nice bar cart with like crystal. Yes. Glass and decanters and stuff. Very nice. Yeah, the glassware was was. Mm-hmm. It wasn't oh, the usual Laird arc, whatever ones we bought. Yeah, uh, the PX that were cheap and they're in every movie that is supposed to be high class. Mm-hmm. Wait, what? It's cheap? What? Uh, well, they're not cheap. They're crystal, but they aren't fancy. Baccarat or oh, okay, Waterford. But, but yeah, I'll I'll show you at our next break what I'm talking about. Okay. I can picture yep. it. I know because it's the glass that he had the Bloody Mary in, right? Because that's like that's Poppy's glass. No, it's it's different. Oh. The, Whoa, it's the wine glasses. Glass. Oh, okay. okay. Um, the campiness of it. Yes. 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 And then the fact that all the they were all named Tom, Dick, and Harry. Oh, I all didn't. That uh, went over my head. Yeah. And they uh, were, <laughs> the what were they? The I don't know servants. The Mad Urn Hell, Madder in Hell, Mad. I like the Mad in the Hell. Madder in Hell. Yeah, Madder in Hell. Oh. oh. Huh. Um. Yeah, those are my positives. Well, I already said the the songbird. I liked how at the beginning. When she goes backstage, Helen goes backstage, and that's supposed to be homely Goldie Hawn, you know? Yeah, right. (laughs) She's adorable. So I guess, like, because that was supposed to be her being homely, that they did, they had to take it up a notch. Right. Like, she could have just been beautiful, and then she could have been homely. Yeah. But yeah, and and the wig that they put her in, and the outfit to make her, like, that's homely. I'm like, that just looks comfortable. Yeah. You know? I wish I looked like that. Yeah, that's just hilarious to me. Um, the jump cut after he, she's, uh, what's his name? Bruce Willis's character says, I have no interest in Madeline Ashton. And then it's just the next cut is just they're walking through the wedding. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it made me laugh. And then also she has this stress thing and it, bre- it like causes blood because she's just holding it so tight. I cracked Oh, yeah. Yeah. That made me laugh. Okay. Al- Alana or Elena Reed Hall. How she comes in and she's acting like a police chief in those classic 80s copaganda films when, you know, when the police chief was always yelling, yelling at Axel Foley, yelling at Mel Gibson and Lethal Weapon movies. They're always yelling, what are you doing? You got too far. You got, you know, they're just doing that. But 
I thought it was so funny because she was a psychiatrist. Exactly. And, she, and she's exactly. yelling. And then that also lets you know just how fed up that they are with they her bullshit. They all were with hearing this again. She, and she just like just goes into <clears throat> her, just all in. Um, When Meryl Streep's character, Madeline, goes to her place, you know, it's like Beverly Hills place where she's going to get her facial or whatever, and she goes back, and there's a, there's a room, and it has a mirror on the door, and you just see the guy, and he's in a wheel, and he's got, like, oh, yeah. coming out of him, and he just goes, <laughs> That's the sound I make foam rolling now. <laughs> oh, it was just hilarious. And it's so, like, it's just L.A. Like, that is a very L.A. thing. Because the people are doing it, and you see them doing it, and it's just, oh, it is hilarious. I had a, I had an Aaron Ma notes here, so I just wrote down, um, and that when I was transcribing this, I was like, oh, what does this mean? I put, quote, Ma, you're a German Isabella Rossellini. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> like how you're looking at me. Is how I was like, oh, that must be a be an Aaron note. What does that mean? And then I remembered what it meant. It was because she gives. She's like, all right, you get the potion. You have ten years. Then you can't be seen again. Exactly. And yeah. I was like, oh, that's why you're a German, Isabella Rossellini. <laughs> like, you shall not be seen again. You shall not be seen again. But you did notice that all of those people who were seen at the party were white oh yeah mm -hmm. and that was also kind of like the, because you because they alluded to um garbo i want to be ho all alone, alone. Like, uh -huh. yeah they uh, they had somebody that they had elvis they had somebody they had that marilyn monroe yeah and uh mm -hmm. james dean kind of character uh keith wait morrison van morris jim morrison jim morrison yeah yeah, so yeah, and yeah, again, all white, but because I got I, a, yeah, I got a reason for that. Okay, I loved the score, how it was so influenced, you could tell by Bernard Herman esque, because it had those stabbing strings. And I liked how it would also go into like noirish film noir aspects of it, like especially when she was driving home and her makeup is running, mm -hmm. and it just it just felt like those um, like a Joan Crawford esque type, yes. you know, like nineteen forties yeah. kind of film. The like, postman always rings twice. Situation. Yeah, it had that kind of thing going on with it. Um, shout out to the production design by Rick Carter. Um, like, I noticed, because remember, Teeny, when we, what is it, Resorts World, when you check in, they have the Andy Warhol-esque Marilyn Monroe mm -hmm. things, mm -hmm. and how in her, in Madeline's house, she had a knockoff of that. Oh, exactly. Madeline. Exactly. Yeah, it was, uh, like, I just thought it was funny. And it was, like, a lot of, I guess, Art Deco, I think, is the, the kind of style of mm -hmm. that, and... And their houses were very like castle-like and very cold in the the way that when we well, watch movies like in the 30s and stuff of of that kind of yeah when when Bruce Willis was up on the 
on the top, it was very Frankenstein-ish. I, mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought that that was inspired by Frankenstein for mm-hmm. sure. Yeah. And the, the, the brain in the jar was from was from oh. Frankenstein. Oh, I missed that. Yeah, there was a lot of, of Frankenstein-esque uh-huh. things in it. Which also, Frankenstein, written by a gay man? Directed Ooh. by a gay man. Directed by a gay Directed. Man. Yeah, the movie is directed. Mary Shelley? She wrote it. Yeah. And she was very oh, young really? when she wrote it. I think so. Oh, We don't know. I could be lying. Don't quote me on that. But I mean, isn't everybody a little? So yeah. But also, like, uh, I actually there was another from that same article I read uh, with that drag queen. Uh, he also said one of the most obvious reasons that queer people like they were talking about why queer people love this movie so much, um, or, or like queer horror one of the most obvious reasons is because it's essentially a universal monster movie yes Mm -hmm. right which we we love queer people love horror and we love monsters we identify with monsters and we always have and then he talks about frankenstein and all that so Mm -hmm. nice okay so we are to quotables there were many quotes i just wrote down two of my favorites well, and then I got into it, so I stopped writing them down because I was into the movie. Wrinkle, oh. wrinkle, little star. Hope they never see the scars. Yeah, I have that as well. Oh, this is if this movie has your quote of the year. Yeah, it has to because I have it. I think we know. <laughs> I think Keith and I are on the same page. Do you know what they do to soft white overweight Republicans in prison? <laughs> I would like some people to know. Those are my two. I would like oh. some people to know. Uh, do you know what they do to? Oh, oh, oh you had that too, and then you would okay. like some people. Um, oh, got you, got you. How did you not have Evian, please? No ice. No ice. <laughs> yes, it's true. It's true. That was at the very beginning. Yeah, the lady walks up to yeah. the bar and was like, Evian, please, no ice. And I just, I, yeah, I wrote it's that true. Down. It is true. But mm-hmm. that's the thing, though, is it, oh, yeah, see, I was going to make a comment about the no ice, but she keeps them. <laughs> Look, she even has a Vera Bradley. It's- not Sarah Bradley, it's turtles. Oh, it's a, a turtle like koozie. She has a, a, a good thing for an Evian bottle. Yes, the liter and a half Evian bottle koozie. No ice. There is no ice in it. No yeah. ice because that dilutes it with non Evian. Yeah, how did you miss that quote? I guess that's Evian, nice. please no Somebody ice. Somebody doesn't really love Evian, I guess. Have you seen Aaron's doorway? We had a dude come in to help with the uh, direct TV. He didn't mention the Evian bottles that are. Yeah. Because honestly, that's the least weirdest thing that. Uh, remember when we had yes. the, the chalk outline, the masking tape outline of a dead body in the living room for, for like. Over a year. Yeah. Close yeah. to two years. Yeah, that's true. And then um, my other quote was, I don't want to live forever. I mean, it sounds good, but what if I get bored? (laughs) That's funny. I have, she's a woman. 
from Newark, for God's sake. Yeah, I, yeah. I also had the, the, the quote in this that was from God. I want to be alone. I did too, yeah. And then I also had these are the moments that make life worth living. <laughs> because was that a, was a, a lot of these are context-based. Yes, yes. But this was my favorite. She drank the potion, and Isabella Rossellini goes, now a warning. And Meryl Streep, how, her line oh, delivery yeah. of this cracked me up. She was like, now no. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Oh, yeah. Those are my quotables. So okay. many. I mean, there's so many in this film. It's great. Oh, th- it was. Because so- Bruce Willis also has a lot, but a lot of his are the way that he says it. Yes. So we are to LVP, and my LVP is selling your soul to stay young. Oh. My LVP is actually a quote. <gasps> Drink again, and you'll be able to work again forever. Oh, yeah. oh who wants to work? Yeah, yeah and that was kind of Bruce Willis's thing. Why, why do I want to live forever? Yeah. Yeah. My LVP was anyone who isn't tickled by this super silly over the top film. I yeah, just hope true. that you guys are losers. I hope I got. If you I, don't like this film, we don't like you. You we'll, know what? We'll the, we'll you are not worthy. I just hope that you find joy in something that doesn't harm other people or anyone else. Like that you have some place where you find the the joy that this film brings me, and it's not harming anyone else because. It oh. is such a Bush film. It, it is, is such a Bush, uh, Bush comedy aesthetic film. It's dark, but hilarious. It's so dark, but so funny and hilarious. And it's got two, they got Meryl Streep and Goldie Hawn. And yet my MVP is not either of them. Oh. Wow. My MVP is Bruce Willis in this. I can see that. Interesting. The I way that, that he was able to to lose his macho facade and be just a comedic actor in this. He was um, just very schlubby also. Yeah, like, he was it, soft and white and <laughs> had a receding hairline, yes. had a oh uh, I mean at the time and like you know mustaches are kind of coming back but at the time like that was not in right. style. Like he and and the whole time you're like this guy? Yes. You guys are fighting over this guy? Yeah, and he's just having a blast and having fun. And it's interesting with him because he has had it's recently come out about his aphasia yes. diagnosis. And you wonder how far back that 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 he's been dealing with that issue, because a lot of the things were, you know, people like I remember in the sixth sense and kind of going on where it's like, oh, Bruce Willis is just doing this, like, just very subdued kind of thing now. Mm-hmm. And it's like. Now, like, what well, was was he experiencing that and dealing with that then? And then, if you go to his like Wikipedia or IMDb, I mean, the last ten years it's just direct to video, direct to video, and so you mm-hmm. kind of wonder like, when did he know what was going on? And mm-hmm. he's just like, you know, like getting the bag, cashing them checks, cashing them checks, because he's you know looking out for his family and right. doing what he can do and and that kind of thing. And then to think. That he's a star because this movie is about stars, and then to hear that, like it's kind of the th- yeah. thing with Christina Applegate, and then people are like, "Why are you just, you're just, you're just so 
monotone and, and there's nothing really doing and you're just in these direct to TV things and you know, you just wonder like how much did he know and when he knew it and he was just like, Yeah, I'm just doing this, I'm just stacking these checks, cashing mm-hmm. the money, doing what I can and then when it's to the point where I literally can't no longer do it anymore, then I'm gonna come out with this and then But that's he's a man. And so he like look how much he because Christina Applegate isn't given that, you know? Like, exactly. It's not like her IMDb is stacked with direct-to-video, direct-to-video, direct-to-video things. So you just see the the duality of that. Speaking of Christina Applegate, <clears throat> what is what is her thing with um, her, her? She has a, uh, a, a, a a a video thing on her latest one, and she finishes it up this season. The death, de- I it didn't has watch it. Death in it. It death. is. It is a bush. Aesthetic. Oh really? It's very. I never watched it. It was like Linda Catagrini. Yes. Show. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. James Marston. Oh. Was in it, and it's very dark comedy, funny bush aesthetic. Oh okay. Yeah. Yeah. You will enjoy. Not. Oh wait, dead to me. Yeah. Dead to me. Yes. Yeah, it's, yeah, I've heard good things. Yeah, it's good. Mm-hmm. I have from. Oh, I did my LVP. Okay, mm-hmm. we're, we're on MVP. Wait, MVP. We're on MVP. Oh, she said Bruce Willis. Oh, teeny. I say Meryl Streep and Goldie Hawn. Well, I Agreed. actually, I actually just put the cast, but yeah, the three every of them. with the two of them together, every scene with them falling down the stairs, and then. I just think that last scene was so good with them at the funeral, like, and then when they get out to the stairs and you, they pull up and they see that their faces are peeling off, <laughs> and then even when her head was like rolling on the ground, you could tell it was hard from all like the stuff they'd used on it, like, so good. I also saw like two people acting it out on TikTok. It was just iconic. It's I agree. Them. They're my MVPs. Yes. My, I have an honorable mention MVP, and that's Sidney Pollock, because he comes in for that one scene and is hilarious he as the doctor. Uh, because he's just a, oh, yeah. he just comes in with that doctor arrogance of like, all right, does this hurt? And he's just like, oh, that doesn't hurt. And then just as he slowly unravels, and then the, the best is him just keeping it together. <laughs> and he sees Bruce Willis has a flask. And he's like, can I get some of that? And just drinks it. And then he takes out the his aspirin. Because I'm like, oh. And then you find out later. Like, because it's just, it's just jokes within jokes. He has the aspirin. Because he knows that he's having a heart attack. <laughs> but he's just keeping it all calm. And he's just sitting down. And then he's like, it was something. I forget what the line is. Bruce Willis says a line. And he just jumps up. And he's like, yes, exactly. That's exactly it. And he leaves. And then the next time you see him, he's just dying from a he's heart attack. Yeah. He just can't cope with it. Oh, he was his he was hilarious. But for me, yeah, I mean Meryl Streep and stuff. But if I gotta pick one, it's it's just Goldie Hawn. Yeah, she's just it, it's so problematic. I don't. It's horrible. The fat suit thing, but the look on her face when she's <laughs> the fat suit scenes. I wish that it wasn't 
Like, cause, because I, because that's what you're saying, Teeny. Like, they didn't need to make they didn't her. Need, up. Yeah, they exactly. Didn't, yeah, exactly. To be that over the top, because it's just that look in her eye and just rewinding it while she's being choked out, and then the police just come and just take her away, and the, her whole just crazy manic energy. And when she gets shot, and she comes up, and she's just like, "I'm all wet." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And when they, when he thinks that he killed her and she's in the Nike Just Do It t-shirt, and she's like, what part of the plan didn't you understand? Exactly. Oh, He's man. Like, <laughs> I told it to you three times. Three yeah. times we went through this. Uh, yeah. It's just tough because I'm. you always think, like, okay, you know, Meryl Streep. I have some people who I'm like, oh, that like I could see this person being a Meryl Streep, and we'll get to that in the recasting. But it's hard to be like, who's our Goldie Hawn? Because True. they just stopped making movies like that. Of like, who's our who's the next Goldie Hawn? Because she was she was so funny. So we are to recasting, and I was thinking, okay, we can have Beyonce and Rihanna. Like, and we could have um, Blair Underwood. And then I went, oh, who would be Isabella Rose? Wait a minute. We can't do this with a black cast. Yeah. Because black <laughs> crap. We could have Angela Bassett be any of the any roles. Any of them. <laughs> She's been promoting Wakanda forever. And, I mean, she... She looks a freaking amazing. She looks the same as when she was Tina Turner exactly. in What's Love Got to Do With It. It is exactly like what? 30 years ago. So maybe she did take the potion. Cause so I just wrote down for recasting Black Don't Crack. <laughs> I actually have one. What? I don't really have one. I there's been just a bunch of rumors about this week. Me. Yeah. About yeah. it, I don't. I haven't been able to find anything to say that it's actually happening. It looks like they're all just rumors, but well, mm -hmm. some of the things are that I've seen are Anne Hathaway and Kate Hudson playing the two leads. Of Kate Hudson okay. is Goldie Hawn's daughter, so that would be yeah. That's not the one that I was seeing because this act. This is the actress that I was thinking of, of like. In a, as Meryl Streep esque is Jessica Chastain. She's I like, saw Jessica Chastain mm -hmm. on there too. So and she's, then... yeah, because she's been out promoting. She has a Netflix movie with Eddie Redmayne, The Good yeah, Nurse. The Good Nurse, yeah. Uh huh. I, I saw it. It's it's oh it's okay, but it's it, what? Oh, and then it has like Robert Downey Jr. for Bruce Willis and Lady, oh. Ga Lady Gaga playing. Isabella Rossellini's part, which I think would be good. Yeah. I think yeah. she would be to do a good job for that. That's true. Um, so who know? But then the rumor it says the rumor took a new shape earlier this year when a subreddit claim was um, said was something about Netflix and a remake of Death Becomes Her, which had Lindsay Lohan, Megan Fox, and Justin Long, which would be no. terrible. No. No. <laughs> no. You gotta respect the original. Here's the thing. I like I like the Jessica Chastain Anne Hathaway remake. Mm -hmm. I 
I forget who you said that, that was the guy that I was like, oh, that could work. Because also, if he was like a, a slim Robert down, yeah, Robert Downey Jr. would be good. Or um, Chris Helmsworth is he's like really funny. He does have comedic chops. But the thing that I would think would be pretty good is, um, but that's a, that's the part where like the business gets into it because Jessica Chastain and Hathaway, it's gonna it's an easier movie to promote and make than if they did it with drag performers. Yeah. Well, there already is a drag show called Drag Becomes Her. Really? Yeah. Yeah, it, it's pretty big. I think that, like, the movie, it would be interesting to have the movie kind of lean into that because of of just just the nature of it and the, the drag performers and how campy it is. Yes. To really, yes. To really, like, lean into that yeah. kind oh, yeah, of aspect of it. So okay. that was the recasting. So we are to Tasties. I have that Meryl Streep accidentally scarred Goldie Hawn's cheek during the shovel fight. Oh. Yes. Like I accidentally scarred Adam's cheek with a cookie tin. That was his fault. Isabella Rossellini was 39. Yeah, like 40-ish around it. Isn't that crazy? Damn. Um, Meryl Streep's dresser stood behind her. And pushed her boobs together for that scene. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> yeah. They tried other things, but they didn't work right. So, yeah. Because I was just like, damn, I didn't know that they do that. They're supposed to do that for real? Oh. Uh, evidently, the Bruce Willis part was originally Kevin Klein, and he dropped out. Yeah, but he had a pay dispute. Oh, Bruce Willis was perfect in this. There's also talk of Jeff Bridges and yeah. Nick Nolte. Jeff Nick Bridges Nolte would... turned it down. Nick Nolte, that would have been... Uh, yeah. Bringing yeah. his Nick Nolte energy to this? Uh, Meryl Streep was 43 and Goldie Hawn was 46. 46. Wow. Yeah. Those are my tasties. Teeny, do you have any? I don't, actually. I have that the film starts in 1978 and it ends in 2029. So you know in 2029 there will be some kind of uh, like, you know, drag or something Mm -hmm. that people will commemorate. So I remember like when this film came out, we went to see it. I loved it. I thought it was great. It had a $55 million budget. And then it was kind of the thing of, of like with to a lesser degree, like with Hocus Pocus, where people like you just heard that it it was a failure and that it didn't do well, but Cisco it made and Ebert hated it. Oh yeah, I have that later. It made a hundred forty nine million dollars worldwide, so it oh. was a success. And domestically, they're like, oh, it only made. Now keep in mind, I said its budget was fifty five million. Domestically, it only made fifty eight million. So. It made three million more than its right. budget, and yet, oh, it's a failure. Like yeah. Hollywood, Hollywood yeah. numbers and accounting in Hollywood is wild. Um, I have that the screenwriter wrote the script. the The David Cop guy, the the ninth, 
largest grossing screenwriter of all time guy. He said, quote, it was meant to be Night of the Living Dead if George Cukor had directed it. Oh. And I was like, oh, yeah, that makes such sense. Um, I have that Meryl Streep disliked working on the project with so much special effects. But she yeah. loved how it turned out. She said, yeah. quote, my first, my last, my only. I think it's oh. tedious. Whatever concentration you can apply to that kind of comedy is just shredded. You stand there like a piece of machinery. They should get machinery to do it. I love how it turned out, but it's not fun to act to a lampshade. Mm -hmm. So kind of ex kind of explains why Meryl Streep isn't in the uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yes. She's just like, <laughs> so how this goes. There was the original ending had that Ernest flees Liesel's party and meets a bartender who was played by Tracy Almond. Tracy Almond had parts in this and they were all cuts. Yeah. yeah. And then Tracy Almond helps him fake his death. And then 27 years later, they run into each other. Like all four of them run into each other. And um, you can tell that, you know, that Helen and Madeline haven't had a, it hasn't gone well for them. Mm -hmm. But Robert Zemeckis thought that it was too happy. And so he cut oh. it and went with this ending, which I think is a much better ending than that. The same day that this opened was the same day that Buffy the Vampire Slayer, that the movie oh. opened, and that Bebe's Kids opened. <laughs> and and Bebe's Kids, if you haven't seen Bebe's Kids, it's an animated classic. <laughs> Robin, the late Robin Harris, comedian, talking about Bebe's kids, taking them to an amusement park. Tone Loke is the baby voice in that. It's pretty good. Um, Siskel and Ebert gave it two thumbs down. They yeah, said yeah. it. Rude. Yeah. Well, we, don't like, we don't like them. They're not invited. <laughs> they said it had great special effects, but it lacked any real substance or character death. Depth. Yeah, the character death is the whole point of it. And as we've been mentioning throughout this, how um, it's become a queer cult classic mm -hmm. and that Madeline and Helen are the favorites of drag performers. And there's this quote by Tom Campbell, who's the executive producer of RuPaul's Drag Race. It said, quote, they're fighting for beauty. They're against the system. They're also villains, but we understand their complexity. We root for the undead divas because they're trying to win a game that's rigged against them. Mm -hmm. And to borrow the apocryphal quote from Ginger Rogers, they sort of have to do it backwards and in heels. Hi. Yes. <laughs> yes. 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 Well done. So I got a lot of information from... These articles, uh, 2018 article by Sarah Gailey, Vanity, Patriarchy, and Futality, Death Becomes Her. There was the cut article, is Death Becomes Her, the Anti-Aging Parable We Need by Danielle Friedman, which was in 2017. And the 2017 Vanity Fair article, The Gloriously Queer Afterlife of Death Becomes Her by Christy Puchkup. So, and it's wild because like a, they've in all those articles they always mentioned how much now anti-aging retinol 
hydrochloric acid, like all of these things that we know because they are like stop aging and all of that, that is just being put into our faces. And now yeah. it's, now it's all different shades of skin and all different body types to stop the effects of aging. And I'm like, Oh, this is one of those instances where <laughs> I don't know how I feel about the representation, like <laughs> including me now. Because yeah. now I'm seeing it. I'm like, this is some bullshit. <laughs> I don't but crack. <laughs> gotta gotta take the good with the bad. And <clears throat> at least I've been armed with some awareness. But yeah, you're like, what? And they're like, come on, walk away from the mirror. Walk away. How do you feel? You feel good? Yeah. Just be now. <laughs> Where did that come from? <laughs> what is that? <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm a Rouge member at Sephora. What is that? Oh. It means you spent $1,000. Oh. At Sephora in the year. And I don't wear a lot of makeup, so let me tell you, it was largely skincare. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You do, I mean, I I have thrown out a lot of products that promised and did not deliver. Yeah. yeah, didn't deliver. Christine, I did have a question about your Halloween costume because it was very much appreciated by the Triple Ds, and they want to know how you made the meatballs. Oh, well, I bought styrofoam balls from the craft store, and then I used a, um, a tiny serrated knife, axe. It was like an axe. I don't know if it was a saw. You could use a serrated knife. Uh, and a bread to, knife? To get the, the um, texture. So I sawed off like the outer layer and then I mixed brown and red paint to look more like a marinara sauce. Ow! Yeah, you I did. Painted that on there. Hmm? All right. Well, well, I will report back because one of the triple D's was extremely interesting. Oh. And what did my brother do? Total Just... cost $30. <laughs> Just put on a... Well, he was vacation Santa. Yeah, it was perfect. Was and it was chair. great because then at the at the wedding he had somewhere to sit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was so proud. I was like, he nailed it. He'll be he able did. to sit anywhere he For wants. a minute, he was the only one dressed like that because I knew. I was like, I can't be a hot dog at a wedding. I just can't right, right. Oh, no, it was perfection. That would have been so me. Impressed. I would have been like, this is what I have. This yeah, is what it's gonna be. But I was like, I think I need to go. And for a minute, Adam was the only one that sillily dressed, but he had some friends there in the end. So good, good, good. Well, I thought it was great. Christine yeah. was spaghetti and meatballs with a red dress, white string, and of the aforementioned meatballs. It, it was, meatball. it it was, was so classy, and yet a Halloween costume. Yeah, get a wedding to attend on Halloween night. At a Congratulations to Kate and Mike. Yes. Congratulations. Congratulations. But a great costume where you feel comfortable and yet you're still dressed yeah. as something. Yes. Well done. Thank well, you. this has been Death Becomes Her. It sure um, has. Man, I'm so sad I haven't seen this. I've wasted this many years of my life without seeing it. Exactly. You're welcome. You're welcome. Right, you, so you, next, know, like, you know when my brother remembers a movie of like, oh, that that's... That's kind of it passed the the Adam Bush, the Adam Bush ADHD. Like, hey, you remembered it because he would have been a little kid when it came. Yeah, out. he would have yeah. been. 
like he six. So uh uh. So like eight. Eight. Yeah. I'm uh, math, not, not my thing. We have established. So next week. Next week he will not have been born yet. Oh, oh Aaron will have been. Oh, so we're in the early eighties. I wrote down it's like gonna be a really easy one for you to guess. So I wrote down some keywords. Okay. Is ordinary people? No. <laughs> Narcissism. Oh. Oh, okay. Single mother. Ego. <gasps> wait, 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 wait. Kramer versus Kramer. No. Mommy Child. dearest. Yes. <gasps> Mommy ah. dearest. We had talked about. Yeah, I wanted. Now that we're back on the camp train, I thought, you know what? We should. Perfect. Yep. Perfect. I've never what, seen it. What's the year? 1981. 1981. Faye Dunaway. Yes. She. There's a lot to unpack with this because this is a a biopic of Joan, Joan Crawford, but it's based on the daughter. So it's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot of, all right, well. Through the daughter's lens, she wrote Mm -hmm. the book, Mommy Dearest. This is what, this is how she remembers her life. She was adopted by Joan Crawford, right? Yeah. It's just a lot to unpack because it, it is the daughter. She was adopted. It's what, but her mother is Joan Crawford. So it's that whole thing and their relationship. And then it's also she's putting out this into the world and she's getting she's getting paid for it, you know? Yes. So Yes. But a lot of people come back at her about it. So yeah, it'll be And Faye Dunaway is in it. Yeah. I just remember and I have taken it to heart, no wire hangers, because there's a reason for that. They're and yet, nasty. And yeah, we grew up with wire hangers. Yeah, and yet I but we don't. all as women might need to keep them handy for the near future. Well, there you go. Well, well stated, Christine. Oh, and I mean, that took one. a dark turn. It did, but it's reality. People wow. gonna do what people have to do to survive. Guys, and it could include wire hangers. But there's the internet and we have pills now. Just like, yeah, I'm there don't support wire hanger abortions. No, unless you have to. There but again, are, people are going to do what they have to do. I know, so but let's not make that. Let's a go choice. on the internet. It, like you have options before you get to the the flashlight and the <laughs> wire hanger. Okay. There are. We have there. Like I forget what I think you have. There, there is some. Like legitimate medical thing that you can kind of fake. Uh, You can get anything on the internet these days. Yeah. Like you can have, you can say that you have an ulcer. I think it's ulcer medicine. Just look it up. Don't quote me on this. But I think like, oh, I have a really, I have a bad ulcer. I need ulcer pain. There's something. And Google it before you go to a wire hanger. And you know what else? Vote on Tuesday. I already voted. Vote. I have to say. People will give Los Angeles County a bad name. And I'm seeing like that there's a lot of things out here of voter intimidation and whatnot. LA County sent me my ballot and they sent it a while ago. 
and I got to go through, and then they sent me a sample ballot. I went online. I know what my political leanings are, and I was able to type in L.A. County and my political leanings, and I was able to verify that there was a nonprofit organization, and they're like, if you believe in these things, this is what we believe in. Here's, here's your voting guide. And I was able to just click on it, and it showed it to me, and then I could click on it so that I could read and be like, is this really – what I, you know, ver independently verifying right, it. Right. And it told me everything that I needed to fill out my ballot. I filled it out in like record time, sealed it back up, went online, found my box, dropped it off. I, what was it, Ma? Like not even 14 hours later, I got an email back like, yep, you voted, your voted count. I, whoever is running the LA County voting thing, chef's kiss, nobody bothered me beautiful my point is it's not a uh, a team thing you're not voting for your team it's not like football or soccer or basketball this is look at what the issues are look at the issues vote for who you think represents your thinking please vote yeah be like the white South Africans. Who, That's right. Who were like, yeah, I, I guess we need to, I guess things need to change. Yeah, really? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Okay, listeners, we hope you enjoyed Death Becomes Her, because we definitely did. And we'll see you next week. Bye. 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 Bye.